Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have you heard about a B2B e-commerce company that aims to connect and upgrade the technological interaction of business and consumers? Unbelievable, right? But with Obanana Corp, everything can turn from impossible to possible. With their quick and reliable online marketplace business solutions for better customer satisfaction and bringing premium products and business partnerships. My favorite feature for easy browsing is their Market Hub section with construction, electronics, logistics, shipyard services, real estate, travel and tours, food and beverage, apparel, agriculture, and general services. I'm sure that this all-in-one seamless platform is something where you couldn't ask for more. Be updated and visit their social media accounts, ObananaPH for Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok. Discover more and be more with Obanana Corp. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. I would like to say, you know, there's not like a seismic shift and change. Now has all the opportunities in the world. Oh yeah. The change, wow. the world has changed. The big companies are now built to where their assets and the resources are tied not anymore as is useful as useful in this new world. And this is where new players can come along, new behaviors are there, so new service and products. This is the time. I mean, this is the time to be entrepreneurial, more so. And do it for the consumers because they're looking, they're hungry for this, something new. And good evening, good afternoon, good morning from all over the world. And welcome to the RJ Ledesma podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on this lovely Tuesday evening. I just have to put on my K95 mask just for tonight, just for some safety protocols here in the house. But in the meantime, thanks so much for joining me here right now for the RJ Ledesma podcast. Now, in my podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs to learn more about how they think about their business, what are their success secrets, how have they innovated their businesses, particularly during this pandemic, but more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in this new normal and even in the next normal? Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? I would love to have him here. Please let me know. Drop me a message. We are also live right now on Kumu, CBRC TV, Global Pinas TV, and now the Bounce Back Network. Now, many of us have heard a lot of great stories about you know many businesses which have effectively pivoted during this pandemic, and really done a great job at it at the same time. My next guest is no exception. They, they are called Eliana Mineral Cosmetics, and they managed to grow their business 
three times despite closing brick and mortar stores during this pandemic. And why their company also resonates with me is two things. Number one, they are actually a husband-wife team. And I also work with my own wife, who is my real boss, both in life and in business. And I want to find out more about their husband-wife dynamics as they work together. And also at the same time, uh, I like really the relevance of the company or how it how you know like how it's helping the environment at the same time. Eliana Minerals is a clean, vegan, and cruelty-free skincare and makeup brand that caters to different skin types. So let's find out here right now how Eliana Cosmetics was able to navigate through the challenges of this pandemic and even grow their business a lot more. Please welcome uh, my good friends over here on the show. We've got Teresa and Diego Buenaflor. Hi guys, kumusta? Really great to see you guys. I'm looking at I'm looking at your lovely wife, Diego. I'm looking that's that is Eliana Mineral Cosmetics on you right now, diba? Tama ako? Yeah, Eliana on her every piece. Uh, of... <laughs> I have to. Yeah, yeah. Except, um, <laughs> maybe except for the flesh and bone. That's Eliana. Of course. How about you, Diego? Are you are, are you wearing anything right now, Diego? How about you? No, unfortunately, no, I'm, I'm not. But uh, I, I've, I've used it. I've used it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so natural. I use the skincare and the soaps and other hair and body care. Skincare, yeah. hair, and body care. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, the, the, the story we're going to be telling here later on of Elana is that, you know what, you were able to expand uh, the current lines of what you have here right now. And, you know, it's not just anymore makeup. You're going into skincare and body care. And I really want to get into that story later on for the people listening to the show. But before everything else, uh, for those who might not be aware of Elana, give us like, what is your elevator pitch? What is Elana really all about? Let me let me let the real boss talk, Muna. Teresa, what is Elana really all about? Well, it's all about being clean, vegan, and cruelty-free. And of course, being refillable and eco-friendly. So that's mostly um, where we base our products on that line. It has to be all of those before we even run through it. But yeah, Elana basically has, well, what story do you want me to tell? The PR version or the non-PR version? That's, that's what what entrepreneurs want to want to really find out about. No? But before we get into that one, what I want to say is really the okay. big news about Elana that, that I've been reading about. So number one, one of the, one of the biggest uh, news that we have that, that I've gotten so far are two things. So number one is before the pandemic or right before the pandemic, you actually got an investment from a fund, right? Is that correct? The Southeast yeah. Asian Fund. That, no, uh, uh, yeah, it's called uh, small assist. Small C stands for small enterprise, uh, enterprise assistance fund. Yeah, they are a private equity fund uh, from the U.S. from Washington D.C. U.S. Yeah. Wow. They were looking for. We were the first investment. They they want. They were looking a venture into the Philippines, and we were the first investment uh, here in the country. And they reached out to us and we were interviewed actually a year prior. It was it took us so long in order to make everything happen, make that investment happen. So much process. Due, due, due diligence. <laughs> due diligence was crazy. is crazy. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> so it took it took one year. I mean, I like that because many people just don't realize the type of amount of effort that goes into preparing the due diligence that goes into investing in a company. Did they invest as an angel investor or Series A or pre-Series A? What was their investment into you guys? It was already Series A. As we had traction and we had growth, we had a business model, a direct-to-consumer business model. We had a decent size of revenue and we were we had traction to grow even much more. 
And so, yeah, it was a Series A. It was a Series wow. A investment. Okay, so for the benefit, I hope you didn't mind, Diego, you know, there are people for the first time hearing the word, oh, what's Series A? Oh, what, what is angel investment? I mean, from your perspective, can you share with them if, you're gonna, if you were going to go through Investment 101, what does it mean by Series A investment? So, so I'd like to more on like a pre-series or an angel investment are normally investments that the, you are still on a, a business concept or an idea and uh, you were looking for this case study to be able to, to, you're getting funding to prove this case study. On a series A is you already have a proven business and you have traction. Normally it's revenue, profitability, not always, but it's normally a revenue traction. And it's all about, you need funds for scale to grow wow. what you are already doing. And so that's where we were. We had it proven and we really, we needed funds for, it was in us for our brick and mortar retail expansion. This is what's interesting. I mean, you're going to divert and we'll tell you about the pandemic and whole. So they saw our brick and mortar retail expansion plans and they funded it. That funding was for that. Wow. And that's okay. I know we're going to tell a really great story from that, from there. That's a good, great jump off point. Can I just ask how much they invested in you guys pre-pandemic? What was the, how much did they want to put Five. into you guys? A decent size on on the on a series A, it's it tends to be actually in the smaller side. We were, but it was our external investment, non-family invest investment. Mm-hmm. It was five hundred dollars plus uh, a million dollar in loans. I see. Okay, I'll just let you guys know. I, I can't see you guys too clearly on the screen right now, but there you go. It's it's clear again right now. Now, so they they give you a million dollars worth of loans, and how much was the equity that they put in? Five hundred. $500,000. Okay. Now, you said it took a year for them to do. And I, I saw Teresa's face when they were saying, let's do the due diligence. It was really tough. Can you just give us an idea of just, you know, what was the most, you know, the challenging thing about preparing for a in, initial funding for you guys? I, I want to know, you know, for the people out there who also are, you know, getting their businesses invested into, what what was the most, you know, the part that really took the most effort in, in preparing? The biggest part was really the financials. Our, our financials were a mess even after even after our you know in in a scale business as our financial advisor was telling us is the way you guys have been growing your business it's not it's a certainty that you will have that kind of back end mess we were growing eight eight to three times uh, prior to that investment so they we really it was a scale game that we were after and so we didn't do a lot of back office if we we were able to fix some back office it would always break because we would grow and grow i started in 2007 <laughs> so it's like a long history there <laughs> yeah, yeah. so we broke we just we, we broke every time you scale something that fast you break things uh immediately uh, even in months that was how it was for us it's like something will last only for a few months uh, for a quarter or a half a year Fudge. and then we will have to break that entire department or process because it does not apply anymore. Yeah. And so for us, it was a financial, so it was a mess. And fortunate for our investors, they saw that, you know what, it's still a mess, but <laughs> we believe in you guys. We will we will, we will invest already. <laughs> and uh, we will just ask you to make it as part of the requirement that you during the investment process, okay. uh, during the process already, as just... part of your initiative. Now, can I just ask, when you say it breaks every three months, every time that you grow. What particular part breaks? Is it the how you do finance, how, how you do financials, how the operations work? What breaks and what has to be fixed, Kagat, especially in a fast-growing operation like yours? Spirits. <laughs> Souls. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. A lot of them. She, she, that, that, she speaks the truth. She I, I can feel it. Uh, I can feel that. I can feel that. Uh-oh, I can feel that over there. Uh, operation, operations, yes. Operations breaks. You grow that fast. You, you, it tends. If you make it naman too soon, it tends to be a little over expensive and costly. They're, um, you're oversized prior to it being. So it, it's really a right timing of just letting it snap and repairing it. Like it doesn't that it's irreparable. Irreparable. And so you, oh. as you grow. Yeah, what muscles is apply? You won't apply when you're 10 times or... When you scale, it's not always a formula that's uh, already uh, set. So there's so many uh, nuances and uh, variations that needs to be considered when it comes to scaling. It, there's a lot of freaking factors and a lot of overtime and systems breaking that needs to be upgraded consistently in order to make things happen. I mean, uh, up to now, it's still the same. Really. I think it's just part of life already. Very interesting. Uh, Teresa, can I, can I get more deeper into that? And because people are like, they're, they're very curious. They're saying, okay, what have you learned from all that scaling that you had to do? What were the parts that always had to be fixed? And what did you find as the, more or less the, well, not best practices, unless there were any two. Parang, oh, we know we can identify Kagad. It's always this area and we have to fix this up all the time. I mean, for, in retrospect, when we share with other entrepreneurs, when they get to your point, what always has to be guarded uh, guarded, and what has to be fixed kaagad? Cash flow. (laughs) (laughs) Department. You start with every department and every aspect of the business. There's the inventory. There's the fulfillment. I mean, when you scale, you you suddenly over 10,000 packages. It's crazy. And you have to scale. Sometimes it's not always that much. It goes down to how many packages long. But yet, you have to push and pull everybody to, you know, to in order to maintain things. And like, from inventory, it's not always, it's not always everything's going to move like to a set number of pieces that you want to. It's very, it needs to be yeah, flexible. Yeah. So one of the things I learned from the entirety of the business is that flexibility and loads of patience a lot of freaking patience because oh. you, you can't put can't be angry at, at things because sometimes you know it's worthless to be angry and to just fix things with a cool head is how we kind of really want to approach everything like even if you're at a breaking point you have to stay cool and calm and collected and just pile it in and just scream outside it's yeah. Okay. So much easier. <laughs> I'd like to add maybe a big part is well, well, we're talking about the screaming and stuff. The thing that breaks is yourself, where you need to make sure you grow and you adapt and you take yourself uh, to that next stage of, of the business and to keep up with its scale. So yeah, the screaming and breaking, that's you. That's you as a business leader because it won't go further than the, the, the leader. And then the next is, is also your management team. That those, those are replaced. Honestly, they get replaced. Someone is hired above them. Or you, or if you have enough time, it's really just growing and growing. Or you really pick the right person who is just an amazing bunch of them uh, together with the business, just like we have had to as the business leaders. Yeah, flexibility. Well, a lot of great. I'm actually yeah. listening very intently because our own business is at that sort of point where it's coming to. And I'm looking at both of you and you're both, it's like you're both smiling at each other, but very tensely because I, I know it's like to work with your spouse on a business. 
So ayan, I can see see from the facial reactions alone. But I'm pregnant with meaning yan eh. Pregnant with meaning yan. See, the, the, my wife is here. My wife is just right here by the side listening carefully. Ayan, she wants to see what the reactions are here right now. And, uh, I'm going to... I'm going to keep the discussion later on because that's going to be a long-winded discussion when we talk about working with your spouse. But the, the next thing I want to talk about is, okay, March 2020 came about. So, okay, alam natin, okay, pre-pandemic, investment, 500,000 US dollars from SEAF. And then all of a sudden, pandemic hits. And, then the, and the numbers that you submitted were all for your brick-and-mortar stores. What did you do then? What did you guys do next? Cry? Wow. It's think- adapted, adapted. But, you know, basically, it's really, we didn't know what we were going to do. Uh, really, what was, how were things were going to go? And it, it hit us like a, a, a speeding train, like everybody else, I think. Wow. Uh, that's one thing common that I have to say. And since that 15 March, I think, remember, I remember that being 15. Right? Yeah, and then, I remember that day so clearly in my mind and in my business. <laughs> and then two days before that was pronounced, we had 48-hour plan <laughs> in order to just, once it was announced, we had a 48 plan or 48 hours window on moving things around and setting everything. I remember not being able to sleep most of that, but Yet, with with we were kind of I feel very blessed at that time because we had enough managers to that knew what to do. Actually, we were very supported, and I don't think we would have been able to move forward in any way, any direction without their help. They were very well equipped to and emotionally intelligent. In order to move forward in that fast 48-hour pace to just move things around and to help because it was a lockdown. So we needed to move stuff immediately at that time to places outside the Metro Manila, Cebu, Davao, or branches, what's going to happen, scenarios. It's it's exhausting me already just thinking (laughs) about it again. Times, I, I'm so tired. I, I, can, can we can we move on from this conversation? <laughs> Not over I, yet. I'm, I'm gonna end up falling asleep and uh, from all the exhaustion. Yeah. Painting, painting, painting. But yes, that was a, a a bullet train hitting our faces, and it still is. It's still yeah. reeling yeah. from that. I, I mean, looking back, uh, how many mistakes I had committed. Uh, yeah, and I so I much. wish that we had navigated and done some. Mm-hmm. That made better decisions, but I mean, I, I look at look back like, who really knew it was all yeah. it was going to play every the way it did? I mean, we have the Delta resurgence, we have all these things. I mean, it's <laughs> is you. And like, I'm, oh, I'm hoping oh, things are really coming back to normal. Oh, we're back. Oh, we're not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I get you guys exactly. I mean, like in our own business, which is an outdoor food market, right? So. We open up, we close down. And the thing is, the most difficult thing for us is the is the what I call the friction costs, right? It's the cost of, you know, when you have to reopen, you know, there's cost to that. When you have to close down again because of a lockdown, there's also cost to closing things down again and reopening. So your cash flow really gets uh, exhausted. It's really run very thin at that point. But similar to you, Jago, I know we talked. I, know- <laughs> I have a product for that. Actually, um, we can see. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, F of stress, anyway. <laughs> F of stress. You can, 
Please send some F of stress to, to me and Vanessa. Hello, right now, I sure. think. Actually, we will. We do. There you go. There you go. Thank <laughs> F, of, F of stress. We'll need it. Actually, guys, so, you know, me and Diego were actually speaking. And it was very nice because Diego was actually, you know, he was looking at all some of our logistical concerns at the start, of, uh, midway through the pandemic. So he was very helpful to us when we were trying to, when we were all trying to figure out what to do at that time. Because at that time, you know, consumer sentiment, market dynamics was all up in the air. We couldn't tell what was happening. But Diego, I have a question because you did say that, okay, after the 48 hours, you move things around, right? You move things around. But after that one, you had to make that, that very difficult call to close down brick and mortar, right? So can you take me through the journey when you had to close down and then what you identified as the new pain points that you could solve so that the business could get back on track? Because you went from brick and mortar to growing 3x three times. So... Take me through the journey right now. So, okay, 48 hours stress, fix everything up after that one. Oh, no, I got to close down my, <laughs> I got to close this one down. I got to close this one down. Tell, tell, tell me how that was like for you guys. Okay, you, you take it. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, sorry, retail was no choice. We, had, we didn't have a choice. I did not make that decision to close down. Yeah. They, they made, they decided for us. We followed. And, but the online was there. Uh, though, Online was very strict on mobility and movement. We decided to, we found ways. We found ways. So, we made it can happen. I, can I ask first? The, the online business was already ongoing while you had brick oh, and mortar. Yeah. So you had a component. Oh, yeah. but what, yes, yes. What, was the, what percentage of the business was online? And what percentage of the business was brick and mortar retail at the time? Pre-pandemic. 30% was online. Yeah. 30% was online. 70% was retail pre-pandemic. Okay. okay. Uh, got that. We've had our um, online store since 2007, from okay. when I started. So online has really been our core uh, base. We've always had our website ever since. And online is really where we started and where we are and where we're heading to, okay, even. Okay. So, so I, I, online is really what, what started everything. It was where we had our first victories and brand awareness. Retail was more of a, you know, it's a brick and mortar world back then, pre-pandemic. And retail was more of a, a translation of our online success. And got so that, that's where that. we were rolling it out. So we had that strength. We had a very well-talented team, well-stacked, high-level talented team for online. So we were doing, it was just that, you know, the mobility and movement was affected. So fortunately, we have such an agile company that we have uh, from end to end. And my wife is, is our chief R&D officer. And as our chief R&D officer, she went and did a, did a super R&D binge. Can you share, share about it, how to get around the deliveries and things like that? Because we needed to be, it, it was, we were restricted to essential goods. So okay. we couldn't move because we're technically non-essential because we're makeup, cosmetics. They're not really considered as essential. So immediately we pivoted, like within a few weeks, we pivoted to being essential, considered as essential. Two weeks. Two weeks we had products moving around. <laughs> Go, Teresa. <laughs> yeah, because we, we, needed, we needed items in order to be considered as essential. Okay, and that's okay. How we we move, were able to move around and move our products even during that time. We had to appoint strap our stuff in our in the packages, the soaps, the uh, no, hand sanitizers, alcohol, yeah. alcohol. Yeah. We came out with it in a in a matter of weeks, and we had to because 
well that was the from a makeup brand to alcohol soaps and and hand yeah. hand wash so we had we added to become essential to add to see hey we have alcohol in it we're technically yeah it's even it's just one item and other five are not our makeup it's an we can get through this the lines of being essential so we we had that and then and uh and also fortunate for us we had our own logistics of our own so LBC what was more painful also was LBC all the major uh, logistics companies shut down even the e-commerce websites shut down Lazada and Shopee remember that time yeah i remember and i remember i remember very well oh we did not we shut down for one day wow we operated we were serving customers constantly it didn't stop us again agility and having the whole infrastructure of e-commerce in our disposal we were able to non-stop in our operations so the the people were actually we provided them housing they they were sleeping inside the you know the office we provided them their beds and everything they simulated like simulated the quarantine inside the office so that was how we were uh, in the beginning of the pandemic they were staffed there they were housed I mean, in the warehouse the warehouse sorry they were the fed warehouse. there so nobody moved around except the riders but there were two weeks when you said that you couldn't sell because you were not not yet essential quote unquote so what happened during those two weeks that you could not we we were still moving stuff around but it was just that we became it became smoother as we we had these essential goods i got uh, that i got that so your movement was not as constricted as before yeah not as yeah you had a bundle pack to make things to make to make the mobility smoother for you guys yes so so our riders would have an ex alcohol in there with them showing that hey this is for a customer alcohol ah, okay and so we added also alcohol and, 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 yeah, and, and everything <laughs> and everything so it's like a free alcohol to all orders kind of thing wow but what what i'm trying to i hope you don't mind me asking this one in the pandemic technically you didn't have to go leave the house right so if you didn't have to leave the house, why would they be ordering makeup while they can't leave the house in the midst of the pandemic? I mean, that's just what, what yes. you think, right? That's yes. I think the consumers also did not know what was their life was going to be. They didn't know. They said, oh, maybe they thought like, oh, after a month, I'm going to start yeah. going out again. I yeah. need this makeup. Because yeah. our, our our makeup sales were amazing the first few months. Really? Or amazing, online, online. We lost retail, but... Online, we saw sales that are, and we're pretty much a makeup business at that time. We're just makeup. But our sales were astronomical. And uh, it was, uh, but I think it's really the consumer had not also known what was going to happen to us. We were, we were to this day, we were, we would have been in some form of lockdown and they, they had not realized that. Wow. Okay. So let's go back to the business. You know, we, it was like, I mean, just like you guys, we, we had to pivot several times to kind of figure out where to go with the business. But say naman, the idea was that your business grew three times. What did you after identify? I mean, the first pain point that you identified is that we've got to bundle our packs to make it essential, right? You pivoted now to going fully online, right? So the second thing, you've been online for the longest time uh, since 2007. But what made being online now different than in the past? What did you guys you think you did different? Was it because of you? Or was it because of market dynamics? What was happening during the time that you guys grew three times? What was the sort of intervention that happened that really grew the business during this pandemic? I, I let Teresa this, uh, share, but about the other. But one is the consumer behavior that they were they had no choice and uh, they were now getting comfortable with buying online. So the the consumer behavior, our store was ready and we were we we knew how to service online and do have give a good experience through our website. 
more so even through our website. And so we, so when consumers saw that, they, they purchased and we, we grew there. Another part is that when makeup was really affected, we pivoted more than the skin, the, the hand sanitizers and the essentials. We went on a super R&D binge to add about 20 more products. In, in, we did this in what uh, three months? Yeah, you know, my that was my plan. I had a plan until 2025. <laughs> that was my plan until like five years. It was compressed in one year. I was like, we were going to really release skincare items and everything until 2025. And everything got compressed in one Skincare, hair, and body. Yeah. Hair and body was supposed wow. to be like... But we, she, we went on an initiative that we need those things now because makeup is really troubled globally, economically. It's, yeah. it's, uh, you can ask any uh, any group. But w- when we saw skin- makeup, the, it, uh, skincare, it was least affected. Actually, even clean beauty in our category of makeup of skincare, it actually even grew in the United States. It's something that had positive growth during the pandemic. And so so that's where we, we really pushed on an R&D and that cost. And to this day, that those products are now a majority oh, of yeah. our revenues. It's not, before we were 100% makeup, now makeup is, is less than 50, less than 40%, less than 40%. Are you currently in the process of building your own business or you are already a big business and you're aiming to grow bigger? Whether you're a micro or macro business, I think I have just the most life-changing platform for you. And when I say life-changing, I'm talking about Obanana Corp. They're currently seeking merchant partners and interested customers to experience their excellent service and premium products. For more information, Visit their social media accounts, OBananaPH, for Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok. Together with their wide merchant benefits and key feature benefits, come and level up with OBananaCorp. Okay, so t- tell me a bit more about the R&D process that, that led to the creation of this one. Like you said, you accelerated the development. And I know, I mean, you realize all of a sudden that, you know, what could have taken years to be done can actually be done in a few months, you know, because you had, of course, COVID as a great, a great motivator and accelerator of doing the business. How's it like, Teresa, to, to, to kind of compress the time and then launch that and figure out that, and you're, you guys are 60% of your business here, right? Tell me a bit more about that, that journey of yours. Yeah. So when I was mandated to, <laughs> when I was mandated to create, to, to fast track on the R&D, and uh, accelerate everything. It was endless nights. and But I, I'm already uh, an R&D from the beginning. And really, I've had these formulas for years. And it was just a matter of time for me to just release them one by one, actually. But towards the... I, I only had to fix the packaging. Most formulas already are stabilized. I already had everything because um, I really love to R&D anyway. <laughs> Even when I was um, doing something else, I, I mean, I'm very R&D at heart. So I've been making like donors, moisturizers over the years. And it's it was just a matter of time wherein we released them. So it was more on the packaging and stuff that needed to be uh, fixed. But the formula, the formulas already have been there years prior. Working with the tollers and everything else, was it easy? I mean, I'm, that's my guess. Like you, you work with tollers to, to to produce the product. Was it 
quite a challenge because everything was like remotely done. Eh? I mean, produce the product, create the samples. How did the, how did that go about when you were doing the? How did you guys? I I know. Yeah. yeah one, one is the tollers were outside or outside of Metro Manila or Greater Metro Manila. So it was they were not as strict in their areas. So they were not the challenged with uh, as much with the as this community lockdowns. But other than that, us getting out of the border, I ask you, how did we, how did we do? And then the tree appeared. Thank you, SM. <laughs> Thank you, SM. Okay. Yeah. Enough said. Thank you. Thank you, SM. Uh, now, uh, now I, okay, having said that, like a couple of weeks ago, I also interviewed, I don't know if you know them, Ralph Leco of Nova Cosmetics. They're actually topping right now in, in Lazada. They're, they're, they created like a men's skincare brand. It's like a total branding Whoa. that they've done online. They're doing a good job at it. And I realized that, that many of the brands like yours really went online to create this new alternative, uh, I mean, new products to complement what they currently had. So how did you kind of grow the business, Teresa and Diego, for the new skincare products that you were bringing? Was there a secret sauce, a unique selling proposition, or were you just, was it just on top of the, like, what they were already purchasing for makeup? How did you guys build up this new skincare business on top of your we, we, makeup business? Yeah, RJ, we still stuck to our philosophy and our branding. It was just, as Teresa said, this was just going to be a, an expansion. We So there was, it was not a much of a... Not much of a stretch, really, really for us. Yeah, it was, because we were already into clean, vegan, um, cruelty-free. It was easier for us to maintain the same ethos. And to just bring it towards another avenue. So that's kind of how we are going to be in terms of products and with Elana, because it's really what we stand for being vegan. So uh, plant based plus synthetics, plant plant based plus synthetics, refillable. So as instead of going for plastic, go more for glass containers, less plastic use. So as much as possible towards that direction, actually, it's our direction. Yeah, yeah. So it's not much of a stretch, really, to too much. So we, we follow, we follow those those philosophies, and we pass it on to, to any other new products that we've gotten in. Great. So, so yeah. in fact, this this is the brand equity of the overall brand equity of Elana, and that sort of idea just halos that 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 overall brand equity halos to the new product lines which you also develop at the same time. So. The customers pick it up. Now, having said that, I mean, really great story that you guys are telling about, about Elana. So I want to step back a bit more and, and go back a bit more to the origins of, of Elana, if you guys don't mind. No? You tell me about vegan, cruelty-free products. No? And why it's, why I think it resonates with people is because basically if, you, if your market's mostly millennials or zillennials, they, don't, they just don't buy products nowadays. They want to buy products which, you know, which can change the world or are meaningful and relevant. And that's exactly how... Elana came about. Tell us a bit more about the secret origin. How did you how did this come about? How did you develop uh, these products in the first place? What pain points were you trying to address? I'm guessing it wasn't Diego who, who thought of it originally, but rather you, Teresa. And you were you guys weren't married yet at this time, right? You were guys, were, I guess, were dating at this time. No, not even, not even dating. <laughs> oh, how did start off? Many, many years before. So, Teresa, your story. Yeah. Started in 2007 when a friend had trouble finding suitable skin products for her sensitive skin. And we realized many others share the same problem. So actually, that was the beginnings of Elana. 
it was an answer mostly for um, mineral makeup made for sensitive skin and for Southeast the Southeast Asian skin tone, that unique Southeast Asian skin tone. That's where we started with foundations. And yeah, to date, that. What what are sorry for, forgive our ignorance as as men listening to you right is it um what why minerals I don't understand why why is minerals better for your skin versus um other products for your skin I, can you help me understand better so mineral makeup is uh, the ethos of mineral makeup is more about um minimalist approach to formulations less is more when it comes to less is more when it comes to to makeup. And this mineral makeup is actually higher in um, percentages in zinc oxide, which is a mineral, titanium dioxide, which is a mineral, kaolin, which is a mineral. So it's based mostly on mineral ingredients, which is better for your skin that over time actually really does well and even better for your skin. So it's makeup that really cares for your skin and makes your skin even better over time. That's really how it is different from traditional cosmetics, wherein not a lot of people are too keen on using like a lot of chemicals, a lot of ingredients, a lot of... Uh, so the, the approach is really different when it comes to mineral makeup. And plus, it does have a significant amount of sunscreen that helps protect the skin from aging. So that's really where we started, that core product called the foundation. Okay, Nersa, I'm really, I'm really amazed. What, what is your background? I, I mean, I, re- I was reading online. Are you a makeup artist or are you an R and D person? What, what was your background to, to be able to formulate <laughs> these type of things? I am both. I started my background. I've been, I've been in the cosmetic industry since 2003, and I was a single mom. And I, I started with a business in 2007 with Elana, particularly because before that, I had several other brands that I worked with, which did not really result into something fruitful, but it was Elana that really stuck into, it really grew exponentially. And to a point where actually it was before when I met you in 2011, I had eight, but I had to close it down. I was in a point wherein uh, a crossroads wherein do I shut down? Do I just push through? Diego, what do I do? So here comes oh, my was, was a, knight was, uh, in shining armor. What is I, I was your I don't know if I was a fiance, I was a boyfriend at that time. <laughs> not, not even a fiance. But okay, uh, boyfriend would, ka pa, 2011, boyfriend. Pasok ka, boyfriend ka pa masok, ha? 2011, oh, eight store siya. Okay. Uh, yeah. And and she would go to me for advice, asking about uh, business advice here, there. And she had a scale-up problem. Actually, she mm-hmm. made some decisions that didn't were not productive towards scaling, and and it affected the business. And and she would have to revive it at that point. Or Jack, I want to ask you, what what was your particular background that made you somebody that she could talk to about this one? If you don't mind me asking, what was your background? I'm, I'm sure you're not a makeup artist. So. I I, I, I um, no only background. I just. You know, I, I can't explain, but Why? since uh, <laughs> I've, I've been an entrepreneur for a very long time, so from a time I was a child mm-hmm. to s- selling things in high school to college and things. So I, I always wanted to be a businessman. Okay. Not okay. surprised because m- both my parents are entrepreneurs. Not surprised because their parents are entrepreneurs. Not surprised because their parents, my great grandparents are entrepreneurs. So it's just a, a line of entrepreneurs. So yeah. um, I think that it was, it, I had a tendency to just go there and uh, my my world was, and so she, she would come to me and ask me about, about that. 
Okay. And then how did you identify what were the, if you don't mind me, in retrospect, what were the scale-up problems that she, that the decisions would, might not have been ideal for scale-up? You were saying that there were decisions made that, you know, now you can share like, oh no, I, in retrospect, I, I shouldn't have made that decision. Teresa, okay. what do you, you want to share? Yeah. yeah, I wanted to share. So I had 400 SKUs. When wow. He, when he... <laughs> wow. I was an uh, because I'm an R I'm an R and D ever since. So I'm also a makeup artist. I mean, over time I studied in different schools all over the world. But it aside from that, I'm also an R and D really at heart. So I know the technical and the application side when it comes to cosmetics and makeup, and I'm very exposed to that world. I've been sent by suppliers all over the world to train as well. So I was on a creation binge. And that started our not that uh, optimal utilization of the funds for resources. I got and then I get so that, that was all, all, yeah. Please go ahead, please go ahead. Go, say, uh, uh, go on, go on. That was it, RJ. That, so part of the idea was that she had to scale back in terms of because they were carrying too many brands, too many SKUs. Is that right? That's really where the problem was coming from. Yeah. So yes. the first thing is she had to scale back on that one. But what else did you have to do to kind of put the business? Yeah. Well, actually, Teresa was going to give up. She was yeah. going to shut down the business. She was said that, you know, I want to shut it down. I want to give up. I, I, I had did my research at that time, started looking at it and I said, you know what? You have something here. You have something amazing. You, you should do it, but you know, we can fix this. Uh, let me, I want to be more involved. And, I, and at the time I was working for my father and he was, interestingly, it's, just, it's in a synergy is that my father had made a mandate to me and my brothers that they, we wanted to diversify and invest in other businesses and own uh, something else, diversify. And so we, we had been looking at numerous businesses, actually some ideas that I was even helping us out in some other eyedrop products that we were looking at and, and stuff like that. <laughs> Teresa was helping us in the R&D there. But when I was reviewing her business, I said, Dad, everything on all these plans that are laid out and offered to us, none of them, I find more potential in it, in it with, with her business. And, and that's when my, my dad loved it, you know, being a family said, hey, it's, she was also my, at that point already, she became my fiance. My dad loved the idea and said, you well, know, a, what a great way to seal the deal, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so, and he was sold. My dad was sold. This She has something brilliant, um, something there. She just really needs help and guidance through this. And of course, funds. And so we supported it. But what followed after that were, was a lot of demolishing. Ooh, wow. A lot of demolishing and destruction. And uh, a lot of conflict between us. I'm for yeah. fortunate that we still got married. I killed, yeah, I killed 400. It was like 440 SKUs. I killed 400. I brought it down to 40 products or less than 30 something. So I killed a, a lot of products and kept it down to 40. And, and resourced properly and created, honed the brand around it. Another destruction I did was I gave up the manufacturing facility. So she had of course, in her design was oh, wow. close to her, her heart is she made a manufacturing facility because of her background and 400 SKUs. <laughs> so she she had put the resources towards that. And I saw the brand. I saw the brand. And we put more on the branding and on the concentrated products that represented the brand most. And so there, we it was a lot of demolishing. We demolished the manufacturing facility. We moved funds and, uh, and 400 products. So yeah, that was what. What do you? How was that process, babe? What do you think about it? Looking Where, back, where's my knife? You still <laughs> want to kill me today? 
Well, I, I have a question. So eventually, I mean, I, I love this whole process because it's like relearning, demolishing, relearning. I mean, this is exactly uh, what Elana has been. Right? I mean, even during this crisis, exactly the same thing that you've been going through. Now, I'm just curious, marketing guy, you've identified, I guess, three clear things, no? clean, vegan, and cruelty-free skincare. Coming from the first one is mineral cosmetics. Apparently, that was the first thing that you did because it was easier on the skin. But how did you come up with, you know, that clean, cruelty-free, and, and, and vegan cosmetics were the most appealing to the consumers whom you wanted to, to target? Was it, is it important to them that their, you know, their, their makeup is like that? You know, you know, it's funny, is that the only thing that we were attacked Tap in the beginning was the part where we were safe for sensitive skin and the part for Asian skin tone, matching the Asian look and the stuff. That's really what we focused. All these other things was actually our own personal philosophies. We didn't care if the consumers cared about it. We didn't at really first. care at first. At first. At just fortunately that our, our passion and our philosophy our does connect with a lot of, that was the, just uh, my goddamn luck. And, uh, but, you know, or... Yeah, or maybe we are, we're just visionaries in, in our values. I don't know. But yeah, I, it, it was just really personal. And we didn't care. If the consumers did not connect to it, we, we would do it. Because it is, this is what we feel that companies should be. And uh, there will be there are many other details there that our company is that you our consumers do not know about. But it's because that's how we want to live. That we don't normally share. But there's a lot more details. You should come visit us, RJ, and uh, you'll discover these other nuances of how we, tr- we choose to live our, yeah. our... Vanessa and I would love to, to come over and, and check things out, especially if off. I think that will start off things for us here right now. But I'll send it to you. It sounds like a very interesting product. But ha- having said this one, so you brought Diego in and, and the rest of you guys are, are, are working together now. Um, my question is, you know, husband, wife, I hope you don't mind. And I don't usually talk about this one, but this is close to my heart because obviously I work with my wife, Vanessa, on, on the business. And, you know, it's, you know, it's not easy to work with your spouse, of course, you know, because she's both your partner in life and in business. <laughs> How's it like for you guys? Now, initially you were dating, fiancé, got married, and it was Jacoba coming into the business, right? So, I mean, it's a different dynamic. Tell me a bit more how's it like to work with your spouse and I know it's not the perfect formula, but what, the, like, what are the you know best practices and what you should avoid? I mean, if if you guys don't mind sharing with me, and you know, I'm, my wife is listening for the other side. I think number one is you have to be really <laughs> super in love. I am super in love, so <laughs> whatever it takes. I think that's number one. That's number one, and I know. <laughs> okay, and super confident, I guess. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, now, now I have okay. Yeah. That's the safe. That's the safe. That is the safe answer. Very good. Very good answer, Diego. Here so far, love. They said yes. You have to be super in love with your wife to work with her, and super confident now. Oh, so my wife is saying you're not super in love with me now. Anyway, okay. Going back, sir. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, okay, so how do you guys handle? I mean, because obviously, yeah. Number one is boundaries. And I will tell you, it does not exist. Boundaries does not exist. Boundaries does not exist. Boundaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that this, this dynamic just shows you
does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's nice to see that we share the same dynamic in our uh, relationship with, us, with, with, with my spouse eh? yeah. doing business. Yeah, because you know when we don't when when you don't declare your boundaries and which which you preside over or help with. It's hard to follow. I don't. Whatever you. No, because yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Go on. I respect you, but no boundaries. Okay. <laughs> I, I and I I welcome her to my world anytime. Any comment. Any anything. She's welcome to to bring it up, and I accept it. Good for you. I think I know, but we'll get there. Is there a point where you know? It, what's the? I find that the challenging thing is you know how to separate you know professional from personal. Where, where does that sort of you know, it's hard to say president and CEO, kayo, diba? So, how does that kind of work? And I'm not saying that you have the formula, because me and my wife, we don't have the exact formula either as well. But, you know, it for me, I find it's a joy working with my wife in the end, diba? I mean, she's smirking here right now, but it's true. I find that it's, I find it, you know, in the end, that that's, I get to spend a lot of quality time with her. And we just figured out by doing work that, you know, she's very good at operations and finance. I'm very good at business dev and, and marketing strategy. But sometimes, you know, the difficulty comes in. I don't know, you can, you can, you, maybe you, I don't know if you can relate to this one. Sometimes when you're a spouse, sometimes, you know, you talk to each other like business partners do, right? Sometimes it, it kind of crosses over, right? And, and that's when things get a bit challenging. How about for you guys? How's it like for you guys, Noan? Exactly what you said. <laughs> My perspective is, no, you know, we do we talk to each other professionally? How you wouldn't you would talk to other people in the company? No, no we don't. We don't. We don't. I mean, but, you know, for me, I, I, I think that is a strength where you can be more open about things, say things, sometimes a little too open. But I believe in conflict. I believe conflict is good. Conflict, growth, development, progress, rather, because if you don't, that's just a lot of energy. You just direct it properly. If done right, will give you a good slingshot towards the right direction. And and it is like every, we have our ups and that's argument. Things don't come together. And then, but you know, it, somehow at the, the end, end of, of the, the day, day no yeah. business in the bedroom. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> that's another rule also. No business in the bedroom, except we're in the bedroom now. <laughs> But but yeah, but you know, that's true. That's we but in end of the day, we we come along, we we look for a, a solution, how to work together and how to move forward. We know we're in this for life. End of the, the door of the bedroom. That's also that's one rule we have. It's at end of day, we we, yeah. we don't bring business to the bed. Okay, don't don't bring business the to the bedroom. bedroom. <laughs> 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 yeah. At least don't, don't bring business into the bedroom. Yeah. Okay. We'll take that into consideration. We're still learning that portion, I guess. So. Oh, okay. when you sleep with your partner, no? When you sleep with your business partner. But I love my business partner very much because she's listening to the conversation here right now. But, okay. So, um, so having said that, this is nice because it's not often that I get a husband-wife team because I guess you guys can also commiserate and, you know, share. And I hope I get more people like us because, you know, I didn't realize that it's so common pala what, what, we, what, what I feel and what you guys feel. It's almost the same thing about um, how we do business together with our spouses. But in the end, we still, you know, it, it, it's great working with your spouse. I Personally, that's my belief. Eh? Now, having yeah. said that, um, looking forward, no, if you don't mind me asking, you, you're seeing the whole ecosystem for, number one, the cosmetic, the skincare industry, the logistics industry, and all these different things. What do you see as the emerging opportunities where enterprising people, businessmen, or entrepreneurs can still come into the industry? Because, you know, they're always thinking, you know, there's not there's no space for me. I'm 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 too small a player, or 
they don't have the skills or the resources. But are you seeing pockets of areas where there are opportunities arise? Well, there's. I, I just have to say that it's all about perspective. And everywhere mm-hmm. you go, it's going to be crowded. Everywhere, it's going to be crowded. You're going to look at it and see. I mean, coming into the cosmetics industry back in when we started, it was very crowded, even so more so now. And we're still surviving even through this because of the brand that we've created and what we stand for. If that is what you continuously anchor on and long in, then it's your, what you're going to be. It's going to be your piece of the pie. And yeah, at least everywhere you're going to look, it's, it's always going to be crowded. But if you look and fine tune and see where you can come in and corner that specialty, then it's how you're going to grow because you've seen that there's room to grow there. So yeah, for enterprising people. I love that. I totally agree with Teresa. There really is... If, uh, if you look deep into it and you do know your stuff, there's there are people in the most commodity, commodity-based businesses who f- are able to find their niche. I mean, products are commodities, but they're able to find their niche and become tycoons in that business. They know their stuff. They know how to get, be in, to get innovative and in a way... Be strong and yeah, Be strong with it. And it's, it's uh, yeah, so it's perspective. It's really knowing your, your industry. A lot of research on that specific area would really help and like doing uh, mostly answering if you have a common problem that you need an answer for then it's easier that's, that's yeah to, but, but i would like to say you know there's not like a seismic shift and change now has all the opportunities in the world oh yeah the change wow. the world has changed the big companies are now built to where their assets and the resources are tied not anymore as is useful as useful in this new world and this is where new players can come along new behaviors are there so new service and products this is the time i mean this is a time to be entrepreneurial more so and do it for the consumers because they're looking they're hungry for this something new got that okay i mean i wish we had more time this has been such a fantastic and enlightening discussion for me and it's a first for me to go to a husband wife team so for me it, it means a lot that we've done this discussion here right now but I think the last question I want to pose to you guys, and it, it might be a bit of a challenge to use this one. Okay. I often ask some guests here to say, for example, if you weren't in the industry that you are in right now, not doing makeup or skincare, and you still have the time and the resources because you're seeing so many opportunities right now, what industry would you be playing in right now? Aside from makeup, you saw, you, you see, you're seeing sanitize the time, the effort, the energy, the resources. I would be doing this one right now. Atreya what would you be doing right now if it wasn't makeup? Okay, what would I be doing right now? Huh, I'd be doing furniture probably. That's my... <laughs> I'm, I'm very manual. <laughs> and I have to make my own furniture. So that's what oh, I would no. be doing right now. And servicing because there's a surgeons in uh, home products and furniture and stuff. So home improvement, like, right? People are spending more time at home. <laughs> so yeah, that'd be something wow. she's, she's more passionate about. Yeah, Diego, you. I, I think uh, we're, we're doing it already. We're, we've pivoted Elana's amazing infrastructure in e-commerce or what brought us to all the success, this whole end-to-end e-commerce capability that providing it to other companies. In I understand that what you're doing right now is you're Another major move that you guys are doing is that you're doing a full end-to-end e-commerce enabling service provider. You're doing that for other companies here as well. And uh, you just recently closed, congratulations, you just recently closed the contract for San Miguel Foods to operate their, their hub where you handle products like Magnolia Chicken and Ice Cream for their customers 
in Metro Manila. So really great job for you guys, uh, Diego. <laughs> Congratulations from makeup to Magnolia Chicken to furniture. Guys, you are truly an enterprising couple. Thanks so much for inspiring many of the husband-wife couples here, right? Or soon to get married or boyfriend, girlfriend doing things together. I know it's not, I know it's not an easy job to work with your spouse, but kudos to both of you. I, I pray that, you know, the business brings you guys closer together in different ways. That's your third baby. Come in, Vanessa, we've got three kids and we have our babies as well, just like you guys, serial entrepreneurs. So again, thank you so much, Teresa and Diego Benafler, for coming to the show and podcast. We really appreciate it. A lot of people learn from this one. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you again on the next uh, podcast this coming Thursday. Okay, thanks, guys. See you again. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.